This is your host of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I'm Leisha Holmes, and I just wanted to say thank you for choosing to listen to our episode. Now, before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, Hoxo Media and Vincere. I will explain a bit more about them later on in the episode as to how you, our listener, can benefit from a unique discount by mentioning the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you contact them. Now, remember to click subscribe as you're listening now to get notified of every new weekly episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Without further ado, let's jump in to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I've got a confession to make, I'm a little bit in awe of my next guest. I've been following her avidly ever since she was on the BBC's The Apprentice Show. I've been in her clubhouse rooms when that started in 2021 and I've been following her avidly on LinkedIn and I'm hoping this will be a familiar face to our global recruitment community but if not, this is Michaela Wayne and she is the Ambassador for Women in Construction, founder of Design and Build Publishing and Framework Marketing also hosts her own podcast and most importantly is mum of two. Welcome to you today Michaela, how are you? Yes, I'm wonderful, thank you very much. What um, what an intro that is, I'm surprised at some of the stuff I've done myself though. <laughs> You're like what, me, is that me? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> who's Michaela? She says amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us because I know that you've got a really busy schedule. And as we record this in January 2022, I do believe that you might be nursing a, a COVID patient as well. So pre-warning our yeah. listeners. <laughs> yes, my, um, my three-year-old, he's gone to bed. So we'll see if he manages to stay the full hour. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I have been really excited to get you on today. Apart from all the incredible things that we can talk about in terms of your career, I think for me, the thing that has made you most prominent on my social media feed is the fact that you epitomise to me what an amazing working mum can achieve. But for a lot of people, and certainly those listening who maybe are actually employing working mums and are supporting working mums as well as being one. What do you think you've done and how easy do you think it's been to achieve this utopia of being the woman who can have it all, working mum and an entrepreneur? Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I want to say something really great, but I don't have it in me. Um, I, I, I think I sleep less than more people and my social life probably isn't as great as what other people's would be. Um, and I don't want to sound depressive when I say this, but I don't believe that you can be great at everything when you're doing it all. Um, and whether that's your own perception or societies, there is going to be guilt involved in this process. Um, I know 100% if I didn't have children, I would be far more successful in business but I'm much happier as a human being being a mother than what I am as just solely a business owner so um, from the outside it may look well as if I've got it all and I am achieving to a certain extent but I believe I'm doing 70% of my capacity um, whilst, whilst working and what I could achieve just purely because I come home and I've got to look after kids so I've got to come home at a certain time I have to go to work at a certain time um, and my partner lives 200 miles away so during the week I am the, the sole parent here so I have to take on that responsibility if somebody's sick like today then I'm the one who's not working with them so I sacrifice work to be a mother but without being a mother then I wouldn't have my businesses so there's pros and cons to both but I don't think you can be truly 
extraordinary at everything all at once it is too challenging so I think you need to understand as individuals what actually makes you happy I could not be a stay-at-home mum I, I would honestly I, I couldn't do it I think I'd rather die I just it's just not the life for me I would be miserable so I have to work so for me working and then coming home and spending the time with the kids and weekends is just fully on the children so having that time from is the perfect balance for me that balance isn't for everybody. My boyfriend wants to work more um, than, than I do want to work. So, you know, he can quite happily go off and do his thing. I, I don't know if it's a mother thing or if it's a parent thing. I'm sure there's many crossover into that as well. But um, I think before giving advice out on how you do it, people need to understand what they want to achieve. And for me, I wanted to work and I wanted to be a mum and I wanted to find a balance that I was happy with. And Leisha, I'll be honest, I'm yet to find that balance. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love about that answer is that you've dispelled the Superman myth. And actually, it was a bit naughty that I led you up that path because that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to happen because it doesn't exist. Super mum yeah. and dad doesn't exist because it's all about what's right for you and your family and for you as an individual. And I think it's about time you mentioned society there that, you know, who judges, who makes you feel guilty, who gives mums and dads guilt? It is society's perception of what we should all be doing. And actually, if that works for you and your children, why shouldn't you go and do work? Why, you know, you've been miserable as a stay at home mum all day, but equally... Yeah. You know, there are there maybe are people that think that's actually what I do want, and that's fine. No one's judging. So I'm really pleased that that's our starting point, because you know you are an entrepreneur. You know you have you've launched many different things. So how do you take us through a day? How do you do that when you've got two small kids, your partner's working away a week, and that might be quite common for a lot of people? So how do you do it? How do you achieve it? We briefly interrupt this chat on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to introduce to you our partnership with Vincere, the recruitment operating system. Vincere is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe. A single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now, including video interviewing and outreach, all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincere, because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincere.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, back to the chat um I mean just it's just like I feel like it's a normal running day of most working parents I'll get up at seven o'clock I get my youngest one ready my eldest one is 12 is at secondary school so he walks to school with his friends now um so I'll just get up in the morning take my son's school go to the gym if I have enough time try and get into the office for nine sometimes it's 9 30. I'm fortunate enough that my businesses um two of them are pretty much running themselves uh, we have directors in place there so I just sit on the board of those where we'll have weekly or monthly meetings so I'll go into the business there's two businesses that I that I focus on which is um a facilities management company and the marketing agency so I just go in do the meetings get through all the client meetings if I'm traveling out to site I go out to site do whatever I'm doing for the day make sure I'm back for five slash 5 30 pick the youngest one up 
the eldest one up here, make tea, do all the mum duties, bath time, book reading, bed for them. And then generally I'll get on with work again after my youngest one goes to bed. I mean, my, my eldest has to read for like 45 minutes a night. So we'll sit here, I'll do some emails, he'll read with me. Then he normally goes off on his game and then I'll just carry on working. Generally goes to bed about 11 o'clock. So I just, I do just, I work in the evenings. I, at, at the moment, and this is due to the pandemic, I didn't have to do this previously. So I'm working a lot more than I had done previously. So my evenings aren't my own anymore. But to be honest, I'm happy doing that because I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm not very good at reading. So I'm more than happy to just sit there, set up my what's going to be happening for the next day, catch up on any emails. My clients must think I'm crazy because I'll be emailing them at 11 o'clock at night. I'm really not bothered. I'll do that anyway with zero shame. And so I just jam pack everything in into one, <laughs> into one day and I just don't have much like me time, but my partner does come up. You've got the gym at the start of the day. So you do get yourself mm. even half an hour on the treadmill, whatever it might be. If you're listening, you might be doing yoga or something. I actually think that the fact that you make half an hour a day is the key to you actually finding contentment in every day because you're never going to get it otherwise. That's the reality, especially when you cannot. I, I genuinely, if I do not go to the gym, I feel like, and I, I didn't do because I've been on holiday at the beginning of December, and then it's been Christmas and the lead up to my holiday. I can't remember why now, but I hadn't been for about a month. So for about two months, I hadn't, and I was a different human being. Like, I'm just one of those people who has to, I have to be doing something physical. I think I've got a bit of ADHD. I'm at 100 miles an hour. So I have to go burn off some energy. It sets me up for the day, and then I'm sorted. Um, so, yeah, definite must for everybody listening. Make sure you keep moving. Totally agree that I mean the endorphin here is so important and what's really interesting to me is I am officially perimenopausal um, is that if the, for you to ensure that when the estrogen drops your stress levels don't go too high you need to put endorphins into your system that's what you need to maintain if you don't want to have a horrendous menopause and that partly that comes from exercise. And there are other factors as well. Oh, right. That will be a different podcast episode but I'm very interested in that at the minute and I think everybody can make time every day to get the heart pumping in whatever way it is yeah you've just got to be there's just got to be no excuses it's you know it's it's the discipline thing more than a motivational thing because i'm going to say five mornings out of six i do not want to be in that gym but i'd go because you know i, I just practice self-discipline and i know that if i don't then my day is just not going to feel quite the same something's going to be up all day so and that's your mindset which i think it is so important it really is I mean you you are a prominent voice and I think people will listen to you because you are a high achiever in in a sector that has predominantly been very male dominated and I guess that you know talk to us a little bit about women in construction like why and how has it come around and what can we all do because I think you know I'm a sort of very vocal person when it comes to raising other women up you know don't be toxic don't pull other people down we want to make sure we're all doing what we can so talk to us a little bit about women in construction and, and what what shifts you've seen in the culture. Yes, I think I started in the industry don't know, 20 years ago and um, I didn't really know that women in construction was a thing, um, like there was an issue with it. Obviously, I knew there wasn't as many women, but I never took the time to look into what women did in construction. I was just thrust into this industry on a gap year from university um, and 
people would speak badly to me and talk to me in a certain manner, which um, because of my age as well, I was only 19 and because um, I was a woman, but I didn't discover this till later on in life. Um, and then I, I hit a glass ceiling when I was about 25, I was working for somebody and um, I turned the business around. They was doing maybe six grand a month sales and I went there and got them up to around 100 grand a month by um, helping to recruit people, retrain people, introduce new methods of selling, um, how to retain clients, how to upsell, all these things that they just weren't doing. It just two young lads, really, with what would have been a fly-by-night business that they wouldn't have gone. And um, a couple of years into it, they said they were looking for a sales manager. So naturally, um, I should have had this job. Like No matter what, hands down, I should have got this job. So I said I wanted to go for the position and they told me it was pointless because they was looking for an older man. And whilst I don't believe they understood what they were saying there, it's still discrimination, sexist and ageist. But I don't, I think there was, there was genuinely nice guys and I think they just thought, um, well, you know, this is what a sales manager looks like. It looks like a man in his 50s. And right. so therefore they wanted to fill the position with a man in his 50s. And then to add salt to the wound, it'd be, the, I was going to leave and I got pregnant and I, I'd struggled with pregnancies. So I was really like, no stress, I'm staying where I am. And they brought in the sales manager, I had to stay. And um, they asked me to train him. I was like, is this a fucking joke? Are you taking the things? So... For whatever reasons, I trained him because I just wanted to keep my job. So I trained him, I had my son. And that was really my first experience of, I've hit a glass ceiling, this is discrimination. But you can't say, I could have said this is discrimination. It would have led to confrontation. I just went up for it. So my son got to five months old and I left and started on my own. And everything was fine, to be honest. I'm plodding by, everything's fine. Again, I'm meeting some idiots along the way may speak to me badly, might say things like, you listen to me, young lady, or just ignore me. The worst thing is when you go onto a building site and I'm ignored as if I am there to take notes and a QS who is employed by me and I pay his wages will get all the, the questions directed to him. And honestly, that is worse than somebody saying like, get your Twitch out, or any of these other one-liners that you think happen on a construction site. It's just being ignored, it's being invisible as well. Because if somebody was an idiot, you can say, don't talk to me like that, what are you doing? But if somebody just ignores you, what do you do? You're just like, hi, I'm, I'm the director. <laughs> so I noticed these things, but it was um, it never really did bother me that much, I just cracked on. And after The Apprentice, during and after it being on TV, over the course of about six months, I had in excess of 10,000 messages, whether that was on social media, emails, phone calls, um, and, and um, networking events and stuff as well, speaking to people. There was over 10,000, some women saying like, thanks for representing women in construction. Um, other people saying, how have you dealt with this? What should I do in that situation, blah, 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 blah. And I realized um, I've been given this platform at this point and there was a lot of women who needed my help. I was offered the opportunity, if you can call it that, to go on Big Brother, uh, which I decided against because I, didn't, I wanted to stay in the business route and not the reality route. And I just felt like if I went that way, then these women who looks like they needed a voice in the industry, I could ruin that for everybody by going then and potentially making a right knob of myself on Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to, um, to kind of stick with the women <laughs> yeah I decided to stick with the women thing and that, that's when I started to research the industry and really look into it and noticed uh, just the, the huge like the, the gender pay gap 
the way that women are treated on site, the fact that there's no female facilities on site, there's no women sitting at the top, we're, get, we're offered tick box roles like NED positions, uh, there's no training in schools, there's nothing, there's no PR and marketing around to attracting and returning women into construction, the yeah. thousands of women who leave the industry every year. So I noticed this just, it snowballed in my mind the issues that was in construction and I just thought, um, if it, I'll be the poster girl for it. I'm not, um, I'm not, shy about doing that and I just thought they need we need somebody to leverage in construction to say I am a woman and actually I am successful and you can do it as well and the thing what is missing at the minute is the role models outspoken role models and outspoken female presence in the industry so I just thought well, if nobody else is going to do it I'm going to crack on and that's what led me to, to where we're at now. Do you know what honestly and this is from one mum to another the legacy that you will have created will be far greater than if you designed probably a far greater paycheck to go on Big Brother and go down a different career path. I mean, I think that's phenomenal. And, you know, I think that this will resonate with anyone that's listening, whether you're in recruitment or not. If you are a, are a woman, you know, you're going to have experienced discrimination based on your gender, regardless. I started in engineering recruitment when I was 23 and I very quickly, you know, became very successful. Um, and I would sit in front of engineering directors to interview them and they would literally sit there and do this. What do you mean? And I go, well, what do you mean? What do I know? Literally, well, you're a woman and you're young. And I go, you're sat in front of me because you need a job. <laughs> so uh -huh. it's everywhere. It's prevalent. And I think it does need, yes, outspoken. And you're clearly happy to put yourself out there. But I can't imagine how that must have just felt sort of overwhelming in terms of responsibility. But how incredible that you have got this opportunity that you can now use the platform that The Apprentice gave you to educate people and to, and to change the dynamic. Yeah, you know what, it does feel like a, a big responsibility. And for those who aren't in construction, and for a lot who are in construction, it means nothing to them and, and never will do. And that isn't the kind of audience that I'm going for. But for a lot of people, I know that we, we are, we're making changes. We're, we're seeing the progress. I'm the ambassador for women in construction with the National Federation of Builders. And then um, we've developed a mentoring program, uh, networking opportunities. We're doing a, a Women in Construction Day to be launched this year where we ask women from other industries to come in and walk around the construction site. Women who feel like they have to work on domestic buildings rather than commercial because there's no discrimination when you're plumbing somebody's home. That, perhaps the same as on a building site, introducing them back into the site and showing that actually this is a changed environment now and there's a lot of initiatives taking place. We've got the backing of large contractors, global contractors, yeah. where directors are coming on board and asking how they can get involved in it. There was only, um, when we started this, there was only 5% of construction sites with female facilities, which is just an absolute joke. Um, now we're up to 35% and we're, we're pushing this. I mean, it's small changes, but as a woman working on a construction site, I want to be able to go to the toilet and not have to share it with men, or potentially the larger ones. But, um, yeah, we, we just have, we have different basic needs as well. So we're pushing all these changes and the small ones, but we've got the conversation going. We've developed a roadmap. I'm working on a specific accreditation with city and guilds to for equality, diversity and inclusion in construction. And yeah. um, th there's nothing like that in the industry. And a big part of that will be about women in construction and companies can then apply for this accreditation. And as long as they're doing everything, they'll be awarded these things. We're building out courses specifically for women in construction to attract young girls into the industry and show them that, uh, you know, it's possible. I do it, you do it, she does it, anybody can do it. 
and building courses, which is touching on the point of being a working parent as well. And I think this should happen for men, but it, it predominantly affects women, especially young girls at college age where the single mums are, you, you know, mid to early 20s downwards, where the single mums and they can't afford childcare to go and, and get a further education. So we're developing hybrid courses where you can do it online. Uh, the lessons will be between 9.30 and 3.00, so children will still be at school. And then um, doing like community activities so they can go out and experience painting a community building. And again, in those times, what's going to be um, school times for because it, we noticed that on community projects, 80% of the people who turn up to it are women because they can volunteer and do whatever hours and then learn skills along the way. We're applying to get into the construction industry is only 1%. So we're trying to bring that community feel into women in construction course. Um, yeah, and we've got the backing of 240 colleges. So hopefully we'll be able to roll that out at the end of this year as well and start attracting women. And the more women we get in, it'll be easier to retain because you're not going to be the sole person on a construction set. So that was an awful lot of information. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't expecting any of that. And I think someone that's listening that hasn't construction experience but I'm a woman I'm a, I'm a parent to two girls you know I recruit for a lot of construction and property recruitment companies I just think this is phenomenal and you're totally transforming you know centuries of it being very male dominated in the construction sector and I think it's about time to be honest with you and the sector needs yeah. more, more more people do you know what it's the perfect time as well we're experiencing the worst skills gap shortage and um, since world war ii due to brexit and um, due to the pandemic for, for a number of reasons and we ignore 51 percent of the population the majority of the population is is ignored because we have boobs and what is between our legs, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I get so much pushback, you know what? I have so many debates, predominantly with men, uh, but I don't give a shit. I'm gonna continue and I'm gonna change the face of the construction industry. So you either on board or move out of the way. You just raised your hand, I don't know how you've done that, but you've just raised your hand for those on YouTube, I don't know if you can see. Oh. Yes, Michaela Wynn just raised her hand. So she's obviously so passionate about this, but I thought that, that was perfect. Freudian. Like, <laughs> to be that. No, I, I agree with you totally. And I think it's, um, I do from a, yes, everything that's happened economically, but actually from a social economic point of view, you know, we've got the power of social media. And I do think the demographic of the next generation coming through young people, 16 to 24 year olds now, do not generally do not look at people and look, say, you're a, you're a girl, you're a boy, you're black, you're white, you're Jewish, you're Christian. They yeah. don't see. So actually, you're you're attracting that generation that believe that there should be no barrier and, and believe in what true inclusivity is. So I think it's remarkable, and you're you've been brave enough to put yourself out there. But actually, you are the formidable warrior that's doing it, and presumably with this amazing, you know, people that believe in what you're trying to achieve as well. So I just think it's remarkable. Let's keep let's do what we can, recruiters. We need to keep educating new sectors. It's amazing, and you've done it with the marketing prowess as well. So. You run a marketing company and a lot of recruiters have had to, certainly those that have been around for more than a decade, have had to become social media and marketing gurus as well as brilliant recruiters. So what would you say your observations from running your marketing company, people should do more of or less of to ensure they've got the best brand? Okay, so I just wanted to break away from the chat for 60 seconds to talk to you about an issue a lot of agencies are facing right now and what one company, Hoxo Media, are doing about it. There's a lot of talk about what it takes to be the quote unquote modern recruiter, personal branding, building an online presence, 
finding new and innovative ways to engage the market, whatever your market is. It's an approach most businesses are fumbling around with at the moment, to be honest. Meanwhile, Hoxo have absolutely nailed it. They are arguably the world's foremost marketing agency dedicated exclusively to the recruitment sector. And they've worked out what recruiters need to do to see tangible success through online activity. They've developed a proven methodology to follow on LinkedIn daily to establish you, you, as the go-to recruiter in your space and drive inbound leads and new business opportunities on a consistent basis. Now, they teach it all to you over an eight-week course in the Hoxo Academy. I actually completed the Hoxo Academy in the very height of COVID, and it completely transformed my business. In fact, it paid for itself by the end of week two. The best place to find out more about Hoxo Media is to check out their website, hoxomedia.com, or search for them on LinkedIn and give them a follow. They give away an absolute ton of valuable advice and actionable tips for free. But if and when you're ready to seriously invest in your online brand, give these guys a shout. But make sure to tell them that Leisha from Key Recruitment sent you and just quote the podcast, the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and they'll give you a cheeky discount as well. Not bad, eh? Now, back to the chat. Yeah, I mean, it obviously it does depend on everybody's budget because there's an abundance of things that you can do with regards to the free things and, and social media. Number one, the key thing, actually, that everybody should do in any sector is to ensure that your website is bang on the money. And I don't mean like loads of content that's really boring. I mean, something that just flows, explains what you do, tells the, everybody about the problem that you are solving instantly like instantly the tabs along the top of your website to be saying what you do as well so it's not just like homepage about us what is the about us tell people because people will land on your website and within 10 seconds will decide whether or not they want to scroll down so those tabs is what people are going to see the image or the video that you have on the your tagline your brand's name all those really need to be considered and um, then make sure your website just has a nice flow to it don't talk about yourself talk about your clients talk about the problem talk about the solution and then talk about yourself after that and um also well nobody does it I mean, it was like people come to us and um I, I think it's only us who do it in the world but there's a lead magnet or a lead generator is essential on websites and by that that can either be a white paper or um, some kind of calculator. Calculators work better or something results driven. So when people come onto your website, you just have a think about the last website you went on and you filled out a contact us form. People do not do it anymore. So you need to provide something in exchange for that visitor's information. So, um, because otherwise you have no way, you, you can get 10 days of people on your site, but if nobody fills out a contact us, it means absolutely nothing. So you need, to, you need a way to be able to convert these. So we produce these lead magnets so would it be a white paper like I don't know uh, 10 best practices in recruitment for 2022 um, and then if they want to download it they have to give you the name their email address and the company name and then you've got a lead then you send it onto your sales team boom, boom, put it into your CRM however you're working it and then and then do your marketing beyond that 
our alternative said there's some kind of calculator like how much would it cost me to recruit 10 people in my organization whatever i don't know i'm just making shit up but um something along those lines uh, nobody really has them it's really really important because you can't convert the visitors off the website if you don't know who they are so those are the two key things and then the the three things that you do beyond that is just um it, it all needs to be results driven so people need to analyze what's working and what's not using your social media obviously linkedin is the place to be but it's just swimming with um with recruitment companies and recruitment individuals as well so you've got to be creative this isn't a place to be selling on linkedin this is a place to be um an expert in your field so giving away free information sparking conversation being controversial chill out on the polls everybody's doing all um what we would do is um you can actually download the there is all this information is on the website framework marketing there's guides to doing it all but you can go on to um what the way that we would structure linkedin is perhaps day one we would do a statistic from the industry so um since 2021 this is how many people have been employed blah 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 um, so we're just giving out some facts. On day two, we would do something like a blog so an, or an article that we've written somewhere where we've been in the press. Day three, we'll do um, perhaps something that we would call an engagement post or so something that's going to spark conversation. You know, have you been vaccinated? Not that because it's been overdone, but something along those lines where we're going to be getting people to answer questions and engage in conversation with us. And then the day after we've had a strong engagement post, that's when we do our sales post. It won't be a sales post. It'll be a testimonial, uh, something along those lines uh, where, uh, where we're saying, you know, oh, I'm so pleased our client did so well. Blah, blah, blah. And it's the word, it's basically somebody else's word of mouth, but on a grand scale to your exact audience whenever you want to do it. And then on a Friday, something more fun, I don't know, like so there's some famous quote or what you're doing this weekend or just any old nonsense. But the key is that the middle of the week, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday ones, you want to position yourself as an expert, get an engagement. Um, and then the day after that, that's when you go in with your sales. One of the best sales posts are always testimonials. Um, and look at what your testimonials look like. Is it saying... You know, um, oh, Leisha's really good. I really enjoyed her, her company and we went watching football with the kids and I'd use her again. That, that's no good. Nobody, nobody cares. So we ask the testimonials. We say, um, what problem did you have? What solution was you looking for? Did yeah. framework marketing provider, would you recommend us? And then they answer it in a manner that tells the story of what our potential client is exactly needing. And that's what we then post, post out there. That is absolutely there's a crash course. <laughs> crash course of Michaela Wayne in about three minutes. Gee whiz, that was brilliant. And obviously, we'll make sure the links are on there for Frame It Marketing. If anyone wants to explore partnering with you going forward, that was absolutely fantastic. So, as the as the new year has started, as we record this in 2022, what is next for you and your amazing entrepreneurial brain? Lots, actually. I've got a lot going on this year. Um, I feel like we really suffered in the pandemic, and I mean, I really suffered business and personally wise when it comes to when it comes to money. Really, really suffered. It's been a, a struggle. Things have turned around. It's picking back up. We have plans. We're obviously, we're expanding the agency. I want to get back to a saleable position. I have a utility connections company that's doing incredibly well. So the focus of expanding that, potentially taking on another MD. I have a Women in Constructions live award ceremony taking place in September, um, which I'm really, really excited about. It's going to be my first ever event. 
um, all money raised, everything I do from women in construction, by the way, is free of charge. So all money raised from that is um, being donated to the Maggie Oliver Foundation. And Maggie Oliver is an incredible woman. There's, uh, she she helped to produce the series Three Girls. That's on, I think, BBC iPlayer. And she was a police officer in the Rochdale grooming scandal who left her position and then basically whistle blew after it because the police was covering up um, everything that was going on. She started her own foundation. She looks after young women who have suffered domestic violence and sexual abuse. And what we're trying to do is give her funding so that the girls will then have money should they want to enter the construction industry and come on the courses we've developed to provide them with whatever, goods for the books, laptops, whatever they might need. We're going to give her that money to set aside to help women when they're recovered, uh, the, the, you know, the dealing with it and they're ready to get back into work to, loop, to get into the construction industry because we find women can fix themselves whilst they are fixing buildings. And it actually works really quite well. It's quite empowering to work in a male-dominated industry when, when suffering sometimes at the hand of, of men. Amen, absolutely. Well, we'll make sure when we share this episode that there's links to that particular charity because that sounds phenomenal. And yes, she was an she is an amazing woman. I, I think we all followed that story. And finally, yeah. do you think that being on The Apprentice gave you life lessons that you wouldn't have got otherwise? And if so, what were they? Yes, it has actually. Never dare to Southerner, but I, I'm stuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> Use protection. Scrap <laughs> You can edit that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it did. It wasn't necessarily life lessons. It gave me a, a confidence and belief in myself. And um, I, I really suffered really, 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 really bad with social anxiety before I went into the apprentice. And when I say bad, I mean there was a time in my life I didn't leave my house for six months. It was a joke. Um, I, and I was better, but I was kind of up and down all the time. So um, I went on the, and since going on The Apprentice, I have never had a panic attack. And that's coming from somebody who was averaging like six panic attacks a day at one point. So it really cured my anxiety and, and helped me get over all that kind of stuff. And it just, it helped me with my own confidence of knowing, I, I never thought I was doing that well. I thought I was, you know, I knew I was doing all right. I thought I was quite average. And then when I met other entrepreneurs and and compared where I was in my business career to where they was, I was like, oh, actually, you know, we're, we're doing very well and I should be more grateful and, and you know, reward myself perhaps a bit more than I was. So, yeah, it was more the confidence thing that I got from off the back of The Apprentice and uh, and a child and boyfriend. <laughs> the advantage of going on is that you obviously have a useful boy that has stayed asleep. So well done, little one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for making time to speak to us today because you are you really have inspired me and you were just brilliant to watch and you know just to see what you're doing for the women in construction is just so inspiring and we're going to do whatever we can in our community to continue to support you with that then Michaela thank you for joining oh. us on the recruiter thank you very much cheers thank you